Jaron Solomon here from Solomon Brothers Jewelers. My family has been helping customers pick out the perfect engagement ring for decades. We know it can be an overwhelming process with lots of questions like, how much should I spend on an engagement ring? Does a two-carat diamond cost twice as much? What is a lab-grown diamond? Our team of diamond experts is here to answer all of your questions and walk you through all options to help you pick out the ring of their dreams at Solomon Brothers Jewelers in Buckhead or Alpharetta, online at SolomonBrothers.com. On another exciting episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, our Bad Batch crew goes on another adventure to find some explosive treasure. We're going to talk about that and much more about these ads we have no control over. Sing along if you know the words. Animation deliberation, a conversation, and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action animation and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. We are your hosts. I am Zuhair Ali. My name's Jay Scotty St. Clair. And we got more Bad Batch to talk about. Never have too much Star Wars content. We love it. We're here for it. We're excited to talk about it. So let's get to that synopsis. Sounds good. Again, discussing Season 2, Episode 9, titled The Crossing. Sid sends the Bad Batch to extract some Ipsium mineral from a mine she recently purchased, but during the expedition, their ship, the Marauder, is stolen. Forced to trek towards a spaceport, they are buried inside another mine when their recovered Ipsium is detonated by a lightning storm. Having trouble dealing with the recent sudden turnabouts, Omega discovers an Ipsium vein, but while trying to harvest it, she and Tech get separated from the others and have a talk about adapting to changes in life before they find an alternative way out. They find the spaceport abandoned, but manage to contact Sid, who reluctantly agrees to pick them up in a few days. All right, so I know the character that you really want to talk about, so I'm going to get the obvious <laughs> stuff out of the way so that you sure. can get to that. And the obvious okay. stuff being, oh my god, lighting, oh my god, sound design. Just, I can't get over it. It's the most beautiful thing about the show, especially like working with lanterns and caves and stuff like that. Like, it gave that mm-hmm. feeling of when the lanterns were on, like, you could feel how dark the space was. But then when they went out, just, like, that subtle blue light, like, just so the audience knows what's going on. We're not last season of Game of thrones um, <laughs> the lighting situation, which I know you're sure. watching right now, but I'm sure you get the reference. Um, uh, I'm not even on the it, last it was... season, but, yeah, some of those seasons in between get pretty dark, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's just incredible how beautiful it looked. The sound design, as always, was amazing, especially with the water and, like, walking through the caves and stuff and, like, just hearing the small pebbles and stuff move. And, like, it's those little things. It's like, you don't need to go that far. But we absolutely love that you do. Yeah, I can't agree more with with everything that you brought up. But spinning directly off of sound design, like, oh, my God, the music. I've given Kevin Kleiner so much praise Mm -hmm this season but ooh that the spaghetti western vibes like i almost felt like i was playing like red dead redemption for a second just with those like <laughs> awesome like southwestern guitar riffs and whatnot yeah. oh it was, it, it sets such a vibe it sets such a mood and i found myself actually kind of expecting this episode to to play more into kind of like a a western a la like the mandalorian or something like that uh, i yep. still liked what we got but that music was phenomenal yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is uh, we definitely appreciate all the music from Mandalorian and that vibe that it gives off. 
Um, so, I mean, that's kind of all I have to say about the tactical stuff. But, like, sure. there's no way that we can go each week without appreciating. Because the second that these episodes start up, it's just kind of like, I'm, I'm just still blown away by it. It looks so beautiful. But moving on, mm. uh, I feel like this was another episodic episode, but I enjoyed it. Obviously, it did leave us with a little bit of a cliffhanger. Uh, we'll see if we mm-hmm. continue on this planet or if uh, Sid actually does end up picking our team up. But there was a lot of character development in terms of, like, how we relate to emotion And we talk about how these stories kind of give us stuff in the real life world. And there is, you know, just, just kind of this conversation about like, you don't grieve the way that I grieve. So you're not doing it right. You don't celebrate the way that I do. So you're not doing it right. And sometimes like, it feels like other people are kind of like diminishing your excitement or your sorrow for things because of just the way that, other people process things differently and we had a beautiful conversation about that but tech is your boy so tell me what you thought about his development throughout this and um what you thought about um just his growth that we got between our characters yeah yeah definitely and just to kind of speak to the episode as a whole beforehand i i agree this was one of the more episodic episodes and the thing i think i'm discovering about this show is that um I, I really enjoyed this episode and exactly what you said. I really liked the character interactions and the emotional growth that we saw. That's what made this episode so enjoyable not uh, enjoyable for me, not necessarily the story that we had, but the interactions that we had. And I, I do think it was kind of nice to mm-hmm. <clears throat> have, had a bit, have a bit of a reprieve and a moment of pause to kind of come to acceptance with Echo not being on the team anymore. I thought that was appropriate. But yeah, Tech... I felt like at first it was a battle of who was going to come with more sass, Omega or Tech. And they were both so sassy. (laughs) But I think Tech kind of won out in the end because he was giving the sass to everybody, especially Omega and Wrecker. When Wrecker was like the one that was supposed to be keeping uh, lookout on the ship and he lost. And he's like, how did you not notice someone come and take our ship? Yeah, Wrecker was definitely like instantly eliminated from from the sass fest. Yeah, yeah, he, he couldn't he couldn't stand toe to toe, and then yeah, Omega trying to harvest the Ipsium. Like I noticed how kind of you know assured of herself that she was, and it did seem like she wasn't really exercising as much caution as she should. But that's understandable. She's really you know been in some harrowing situations and always proven herself. So she's kind of tired of being babysat and kind of second guessed. But yeah, I <clears throat> I really appreciated. Um, the journey that that Tech and Omega both went on and and that they went on together because it's kind of what I love about Tech. He's kind of a source of great comic comedic relief, but also he's so proficient because of the way his mind Mm. works and really getting to like delve into the fact that like he doesn't mean to be cold and callous. He just sees the world from this very cut and dry perspective. And the line that really stuck out with me is that he's like, you know, just because I don't process my feelings the same way that you do doesn't mean that they're not there and they're not just as strong. Yeah. So to have that conversation, to have them grow a little bit closer, uh, it was it was beautiful and that made the episode entirely worth it for me. Yeah, and I'm glad that they brought up Crosshair when they were having that little heart-to-heart Ooh. because that's what yes. kept running through my mind was like he's already dealing with the loss of not only one of his members leaving, but, like, being his enemy, essentially, right? Yeah. And it's, like, that's got to be super difficult for him to deal with. But, like, he's got this con. There's this concept called EOT, Emotional Order of Thinking, 
um, where you you understand the emotions that you have to deal, but you understand the time and place for them, right? So it's like we don't know okay. what he does in private. We don't know like what goes on inside of his head. But the matter of the fact is that he's on a mission, and he said like that's what soldiers do. Like we still have to get out of this, right? So like mm-hmm. we can't deal with dealing with the emotions right now because like we're stranded on this planet with explosive material around us. Like we that's not the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great that they did have that conversation, and I can only imagine like how he felt about watching his home being blown up and uh mm-hmm. we I talked about it a little bit last week about how Omega was upset that Echo left and I was like yeah but Echo was part of Rex's squad longer than he was on Force 99 and right. um uh Tech was talking about how you know Crosshair was part of his group and he was like we were we were the bad batch before Echo even came around so Right. Like, all that stuff was just kind of flowing through my head, so I'm glad that he finally had the opportunity to give Omega some perspective of just what he's gone through as well, because we know that Omega's the vocal one. Like, we hear her thoughts all the time. There's no escaping it. And in terms of her being sure of herself, it's like we talked about in the first episode how I'm glad that we got to see a lot of growth and development from her, and we Mm -hmm. do see a little bit of, like, Hunter telling her that she can't be on watch alone, but Wrecker can. So she kind of wants to prove herself a little bit, but like she has grown a lot and I'm glad that we do have a more mature side of her, even though she makes questionable decisions here and there because of her ethical standpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, But overall, like this is a next step in like her maturing too, is actually taking the time to understand her squad Mason not assuming that everyone feels the same way as her. Yeah, I, I agree with pr- a lot of what you said, pretty much everything you said. But um, I did want to mention, I'm glad you called out that line about Crosshair because that really hit me in the feels as well. And him kind of acknowledging that, hey, this was a squad before Echo was a part of it. I felt like he didn't say it out loud, but part of that was also, hey, this was a squad before you were a part of it too, Omega, and it can still continue to be. Oh, yeah. But... I found when Omega in the beginning of the episode when she was saying when she was lamenting Echo not being there, she's like, we're a squad. Doesn't that mean anything to you? I really felt like she was using the word squad in place of family. So I'm glad by the end of the episode Mm -hmm. she actually started to use the word family because I feel like when she joined, that's when it really went from being a squad to being a family. Yes, they're brothers, but the – just the element, the being vocal and being vulnerable and being, you know – I don't want to say emotionally immature because in some ways she's more emotionally mature than 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 some of these guys because they've had to just, you know, stuff their emotions down and just be soldiers. But she's creating a space for them to explore their emotional maturity. So when she used family and then asked him again, like, aren't we a family? Like how much he kind of like struggled with that and like him being as clinical as he is, like you could see that it was true to him that they were a family, but it was kind of difficult for him to kind of process that and acknowledge it and kind of be vulnerable with her in that moment so uh, it was it was again such a touching and beautiful moment yeah he's that uh he's a quiet introverted cousin that comes in and says hi to everybody and then you forget that he's there until you need something or when it's time for the farewells at the family union (laughs) um but in regards to starting off with the word squad and ending with the word family that's kind of a promotion right because like yeah how could I expect you to think of me as family if I 
don't expect you to think of me as a squad mate, right? Mm. So there was kind of that progression of like, where is our relationship? Because I know what you're going to do for your squad. How do you respond to your family? Mm -hmm. And in regards to, you know, how he processes and stuff, on the two episodes that we had last week, there was the line of like, have you thought about like your pension and what you want to do when the war is over? You're not done fighting. He's like, we're not trained to think about that. That applies to our bad batch too. Yeah, definitely. And just to kind of circle back to something you brought up, you said it jokingly, but with like tech being the the cousin that you forget about, I still kind of feel that way about Hunter. Like he, he's obviously, you know, very stable in his role as, as the leader, but I feel like he's just kind of like more and more just like kind of falling into the background. Yeah. He reprimands or guides Omega here and there, but he's just, I'm really kind of like, again, he he had more opportunities to stand out in the first season. I'm glad that they're giving space for some of the other squad members, but I I kind of feel myself at this point in the season, I need him to have something more to like chew on in terms of character development. And maybe that comes in the form of like, again, when Echo got brought up and Echo being on a different path, I think it flashed to, uh, hunter for a second and it was like they were really the ones that had the ideological difference there it's funny you should say that about him just kind of like falling into the shadows sorry i was trying to process just kind of everything you said that actually made me relate to him more Ah, um interesting because he's the guy like i've always well i've always related to him because he's the guy that's like high senses and uses the knife and he's just super adaptable Mm -hmm. and you know, like when when you when you're building your D and D character, like that's the kind of stuff that I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, like that that stuff's awesome. Um, so for him to silently be the guy that, if you get the job done, you all celebrate. He doesn't necessarily need to be there, but yeah. if something goes wrong, all fingers point at him. That's yeah, kind sure. of the vibe that I get for him, and that's kind of the vibe that I relate to. So. That's fair. I think I have an appreciation for Hunter based off of that chemistry that he gives off. But I do like that he gets his little highlights of just showing like how, how incredible his intuition and his senses are. Like the second that he walks out of that mine, it's like, oh, there's something wrong. Like nobody heard the ship. They were mid conversation and he just sprinted before he could even tell anybody what was up. He was the first one to come up with the plan. He was the first one to act. It was the, it's just, he, he is everything. He is what keeps everybody intact. Like that's fair with Wrecker being over with his emotions and tech being under with them and echo being frustrated and Omega being a child. Like his stability is really what makes that team function. And if he's not there, I don't think that they operate as efficiently as they do. Yeah. I I think everything you, bring up is valid he really is like the glue and i i did pick up on that um it was not really pointed out but it was broadcasted like visually the fact that like he touched the ground sent something was wrong and was immediately able to like communicate that to the rest of the team um like yeah that's where his value mm-hmm. is but not even just there but the fact that like he's kind of the one that tells tech like that he's i think tech says something to the effect of like i'll, I'll fix it uh referring to what is he referring to? Anyway, he's he's talking about going to get more um, Ipsium to like you know create a detonation to get them out there, get them out of there, and then he says that's not the only thing you need to fix. Like Omega's yeah. hurting, and you need to address that because he was just like Echo's gone. 
what is your issue? <laughs> just the way he said that. She's like, I, <laughs> I immediately, like, I need to be alone. Like, F you. <laughs> yeah. Like she said she needs to be alone. Yeah. She's hurting. Yeah. Yeah. So. As much as I yeah, love tech, a... that's, you know, that's part of what I love about him is his aloofness. Yeah. He, he definitely gives me uh, Sheldon vibes. <laughs> Yeah, now I need him saying Bazinga Which is... at least once. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that now. Like, whenever Tech comes up with something to, like, get the job done, I'm just going to be like, Bazinga. Hunter. Which is funny. That's the Hunter. second Star Wars character Hunter. I've made a, a Sheldon reference to. Who was the first one? I don't remember. Uh, K2SO from Rogue One. Ah, okay, okay. Nice. The way that he just throws her bag like screw you at the beginning. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> this dude is incredible. Uh Jin yeah, or so. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, when he just threw oh, her yeah, bag yeah. and was like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really hopeful that he'll show up in uh and or season two when we get that. Man, I squealed when it was another um K two droid that came up and I was like, Oh my god, this is where we made him. Oh, that, that was just another yeah. one. <laughs> I thought the same Such thing. Such a tease. <laughs> Such a tease. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Um, back into the animated realm of things. I'm not, I'm not sure if I have too much more to say just because this was episodic. I thought it was mm-hmm. dumb that they saw the storm changing direction and they didn't decide to stay in the mind that they were at. I'm sure, like, story development. But also at the same mm-hmm. time, like, they didn't close the door when they left. Which bothered me a bit um and oh my god talking about the lion in the room did you get lion king vibes oh yeah i I meant to say yeah wrecker had his mufasa moment (laughs) definitely lion king vibes yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um uh tech was definitely the mufasa in that where it's like you kind of need to protect that he was like what about me He's like, well, if it blows up, we're all going to die. <laughs> so mm, he verbally mm-hmm. kind of pushed Wrecker into jumping back into it. Long live the king. Yeah. <laughs> Long live the bad patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you called that out. I definitely had the Lion King vibes there myself. I guess the last thing I kind of want to touch on is where we kind of left the episode with them kind of being at Sid's mercy and like, Sid's initial response is not one of loyalty. It's like, hey, you got yourself into this situation. I didn't tell you to go lose your ship. Figure it out. And they finally have to, like, remind her of everything they've done for her. And she's like, okay, I'll make something happen in a couple of days. But then after that, she just hangs up on them. And Omega's like, okay, what are we going to do? And then it brings – or no, uh, I can't remember who says it, but Omega gets to say – yeah, Omega gets to repeat text line, though. We'll figure it out like we always do. So yeah. I'm kind of like, I do and don't want to see it, but I'm kind of at this point, I would like to see a change to the format in the show to where it's not the Bad Batch always taking a mission from Sid. Maybe we'll see them come into conflict with Sid and have to break away because with that Riot Racing episode, um, I can't remember the character's name, but the one that you know was indebted, Sid was indebted to, like he told them, hey... You did something for her, but don't expect that loyalty be, to be returned. So mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't I would mind seeing kind of a, a shakeup in the show format if we're no longer 
in Sid's good graces or vice versa. Yeah, especially knowing that the Rebellion is being formed around this point in time, too, and we're seeing a lot of the conflicts, like, within the Empire, I do want to see them interact with Rex and possibly Ahsoka a little more, just kind of, like, planting the seeds of what's going on, because we've talked about it a lot. All these Sid adventures feel episodic, and we question, like, how much these adventures have to do with, like, the future of the story. And yeah. just knowing that there's so much more content to talk about and knowing that we can even have episodes that don't have the Bad Batch that are super powerful that just involve one character that we know in Senator Organa, I'm perfectly yeah. fine with having more of those as long as we have something that just kind of like fits this big Star Wars universe narrative. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah, I would I would definitely like to see more world building, galaxy building, and just kind of pushing the story of both, you know, the rise of the empire and the rise of the rebellion. Um, and, you know, just the transition of, of, of clones, how do they get phased out and, and what does that look like for individuals and why don't we see the bad batch? And I mean, other than the fact that they weren't written yet, what invert in universe excuse do they have mm-hmm. or reason do they have for them not being around? Uh, so, yeah, I'm I'm all for yeah, that. The, the the Clone Wars universe is a big one, so there's a lot of stuff that we could do there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, yeah, I think that's everything I had on this one. Like I said, again, another episodic episode, but it was the character interactions, it was the emotional experiences that made this one really enjoyable for me. I concur. All right, I concur, Doctor. Do you concur? <laughs> <laughs> yes, Doctor. <laughs> all right. Okay, uh, anything to let the people know about in terms of plugs or appearances on other shows? Uh, just finished recording an episode with a 323 with Reed Murphy. We had our Super Bowl hangover talking about the ads, the game, the Rihanna show, weird things happening in this world at this time. It was definitely an entertaining conversation, so go check that out on YouTube or anywhere you find your podcast. 323 with Reed Murphy, that's R-E-I-D. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, I'll just want to say no show appearances or anything like that, but just want to remind people that Vox Machina, the final three episodes released last Friday. I'm still hopeful that we can cover that in some fashion, whether we not whether or not we just do one episode talking about the first two seasons as a whole or, or what have you. I know TJ Stafford, I saw that you sent some feedback that was specific to my thoughts on the pacing in um, Vox Machina season two, I will just you know I'll, I'll cover it in more detail. But I say I'll say pacing was not an issue for me. And then um, I did catch the first episode of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, which is now the first six episodes are available on Disney Plus. Cannot recommend that enough. It is a nice, ki- very much a kids show, but it is absolutely devi- delightful in the art direction and the vibe is just so so good. I can't recommend it highly enough. So. so you're saying it's not MCU canon? I do not believe so. There's no <laughs> Marvel Studios. It's just Marvel is the is the marketing that you get there, or the labeling, rather. Gotcha. Well, it's good that they're still doing fun projects because there's a lot of stuff that Marvel has at their disposal. Oh, no doubt. There's such a vast catalog of characters to pull from. So um, hopefully we'll see more bizarre and out there stuff because that's what's so great about the comics. But... Um, I do want to encourage everybody to, you know, like the show, give us a rating, give us a review. It would be tremendous for 
um, our esteem as well as our growth and share the show. So thank you as always for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. And as always, stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. <laughs>